0: My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. So we get a lot of questions about what Veritas does or doesn't do when it comes to programs, when it comes to events, the structure of ministry, Um, especially maybe when people compare uh, what we do at Veritas to previous church experiences or, or things God's genuinely used in their life. We want to spend time talking today about why we structure things the way that we do, why we say yes to some things and no to others, and help equip you to be part of what we're doing, to say yes with us to certain things of Veritas. So we have a special guest, Jake, the man himself each. Um, he tells me every time Woo-hoo! I have to introduce him like that. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> Jake, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you. <laughs> um, That's it. So Jake, it's great to be in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you questions and Matthew's going to jump in with some more, but I kind of want to start with just inviting people in. There's a phrase that you've used with staff a number of times to talk about the way that we think about ministry and structure. What, what's that phrase that, that we use around here?
1: Yeah, well, we're simply structured and just kind of starting off, I want to say yeah. this is our structure. This is not a shout at other churches that do yeah. it differently. We don't think it's a sin issue or a right or wrong thing. This is just how we've chosen to structure our church and um, and how we want to function. So we say we're simply structured or we'll say we're going to focus on a few things and do them well, yeah. um, that we can't do everything well. So let's pick a few that we think are most crucial to our mission and put all our resources and personnel and, and priorities there.
0: And with that idea, we do a few things and do them well. For us doing a few things at a church our size, that might be more than maybe a smaller church would do, but it's still trying, fighting to stay kind of simply structured for a church our size, right?
1: Yeah. Simplicity and complexity look different as churches get bigger. So, a church of 30, uh, 300, or 3,000, you take Sunday mornings and you say, okay, we're going to be simple and we're going to do Sundays well. What that involves gets more complex as it gets bigger. So, your church of, you know, 50 or 60, probably doesn't have a parking ministry, but your church of 3000 does. And that's needed to help them do that environment well. But it's still the idea of let's pick a few things and
0: do them well. Like, how did you come to this decision with philosophy? Was that from your experience? Was it something that you heard, read, learned, whatever? How how did this idea of do a few things and do them well become part of even your lens as a leader thinking through leading this church?
1: Yeah, through churches I've been a part of. I saw it modeled well, and it was it really created great staff camaraderie when you have synergy and energy in the direction where you're not having people run different directions with their own individual passions. It does create unity in that. It's good for budget. It's good for <laughs> uh, volunteer placement. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to it. But I saw it modeled well in the churches that I've been a part of. Um, and then I also saw the philosophy get lived out in football uh, that was uh, appealing to me as well. I was at a coach's clinic one time listening to uh, Mike Leach, and if you're a football guy, uh, you know Mike Leach is kind of an odd character, but he's, he's a little bit of an offensive wizard. He was talking about how they only have nine plays. Now, when you think of football, especially at a collegiate level, you're thinking of a lot of offensive complexities. He's like, no, we, we run nine plays. Maybe a different nine plays, but we only do nine plays. And His argument for that is like, if you have a playbook of 30, 40, 50 plays and you have a week of practice, you really can't rep those too often. He's like, we're going to do these nine plays, and we're going to execute them really well. And you saw the success on the field, too. So the same principle applies of let's pick a few things, and we're going to do those really
2: well. So I think one of the things, one of the tensions that we have then as a church with the resources we have, both in people and financial and all that stuff, too, when you look at the spectrum of, I mean, even our city and the people that even attend here, What do you say to the person who says people are getting left out? There's not something for them.
1: Uh, Well, I think it's on a couple fronts. To the individual, they're wanting to do something for a valid reason. I mean, they have genuine passions, concerns. Maybe it was a church program that was really influential in Mm -hmm. their life. So the motives are great. Like this impacted me, I want to impact others, or I see a need in the community, I want to meet it. So I don't want to too quickly brush that aside, Mm -hmm. um, because it's coming from a good place. Organizationally, I think we just have to say, what are we uniquely called to? We can't do everything. um, So we do have to make choices. Now, everybody agrees with that. They don't agree or tend not to agree when what we don't do is what they want to do. Um, so somebody's going to get let down. We just have to make the decision of what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, which involves saying no to good things. Mm. And I think that's the hard thing when a church says, no, we're not going to do it. It doesn't mean that we don't think that's a good thing or we don't think that that's a, even a good thing for us. We might, saying, uh, no, for us we might be saying, no, that's not for us. Or we might be saying, no, that's not for us right now. Um, And we do that in order to keep a focus and a priority of what we've
0: deemed as most important. That's a a really helpful point that us saying no to something on a structure level, a program level, is not saying that's a bad idea or, or saying that's a wrong idea even. When we've talked about... Like the college ministry circles, like, hey, having college ministry done by the local church, we're saying that's a really good thing, and we love that model. That's not saying if you don't do it this way, you're in sin. Mm-hmm. But it's saying like, okay, we're, we're saying no to that so we can say yes to this thing because that's that's something we want to prioritize and, and put a lot of value towards. And it's,
1: it's also changing the way people look at church or just ministry. A lot of times people think, well, the church has to do it. The church has to organize it. The church has to execute it. And we're like, no, we think the church is uniquely called to do a few things that are built around making disciples, teaching the scriptures, and leading people to worship Jesus. There's other kind of secondary issues that the church may choose to do, but it doesn't necessarily mean they have to do. So as individuals come to the church and say, I want to do this program, or I want to reach schools, or I want to... Whatever the program may be, the answer might be like, yeah, we're not going to do that, but you should. That sounds like a great idea. Why don't you volunteer at your local elementary school? Why don't you get involved in that? So it's not always the church having to organize it. Maybe it's just the church giving permission to people to say, yeah, go do that. When somebody, when a church puts a program together, it's easy for people to say, my church cares about X. Yeah. Look what my church is doing. We had everybody at the park. We cleaned the park. We fed a lot of people. All good things, but just ministry philosophy. It's like you came to a big event. How do we even measure success? A lot of people came. The park's clean. We fed a lot of people, but no relationships were really built or established, or it's not ongoing. Um, so you so can but easily. So, you're
2: saying, but you're saying that. You know, if I were to branch out into this ministry, you know, Awana is a big ministry. And as I even, I bring up the word Awana, again, just want to stress what we've already laid out. It's a ministry. It's had a huge impact on hundreds of thousands of people and so on and so forth. Not a bad thing, not a sin issue, but we're not going to do Awana here at Veritas Church. But that's an opportunity to create relationships and to do some discipling. Just for an example, how are you saying the few things we're going to do is better fitting to our culture, also going to minister to people and impact kids and volunteers?
1: Yeah. Uh, We'd probably say there's a lot of great things about Awana that are really beneficial. I mean, the memorizing of Scripture is a tremendous thing. It's also a program that takes a lot of energy and manpower and resources to pull off well. So if we said, yeah, we're going to do that, well, what are we not going to do in order to do that, so we're going to say no. That that's a great ministry, or it has good things about it, but we're we're choosing to put our energy into kids ministry, um, and our volunteers there. Because one of the things that happens when you just have a lot of programs is people begin to compete for in your budget. Mm-hmm. So it's like I have I'm passionate about awana. Well, I'm passionate about backyard Bible clubs, and I'm passionate. So now you have everybody kind of having their own passions competing for resources and competing for volunteers and people in your church are getting pulled in different directions uh, and, It's less like you're on the same page in Synergy because people are just kind of doing their own ministries.
2: So Awana is a great ministry and a lot of people have been impacted by it. But I noticed even coming out of the culture I came out of where the building was almost hopping every night. So here we have a building, we're downtown, and the building isn't necessarily hopping every night. So how does the Keep It Simple yeah. How is it playing out in that?
1: I think people can make a stewardship argument like we have this building, why don't we use it more often? And there's some validity. I do think we should figure out how do we use our building and steward that well. But it does come down to a philosophy of ministry where the church isn't the building. And we don't want to make all ministry activity hover around a building. The people are the church and we want ministry to scatter and go out. So we want to equip people and send them out. But the idea that... We just got to have a lot of activity and the building should be open every night and there should be something happening every night. Really, we think is detrimental to discipleship because you train people, even if it's accidentally to think that ministry happens when I'm at church and I compartmentalize my life, my neighborhood, my work and my ministry life. We're like, no, we want to equip you um, so that ministry is happening where you live, where you work and where you play.
0: So how do we decide the nine plays we run? How do we decide those, those handful of things that we're going to put our energy, our efforts, our budget, our people towards? Maybe it's a grid you use, a paradigm you use as you guys, as elders talk about it, as directors talk about it. How do we decide what we prioritize?
1: Yeah, it, this is where it's probably um, less satisfying of an answer <laughs> um, it, because it, do, it does basically come down to like, well, we're just going to make a decision. Yeah. Uh, what ministries best do we feel best help us f- fulfill our mission uh, and we're going to do those now you're married to your mission and you you date your model uh, your model of ministry uh, so it may be like hey we do connection groups you know we do church or we do kids ministry this way or whatever it may be for now our mission's not going to change we're going to continue to make disciples that's what we're about how we do it. So we may say, hey, we're not doing this uh, anymore. What are we going to put in its place? So it's not a, we just hold on to the value of do a few things and do them well, not necessarily what the few things are.
2: That's awesome. So how does the role of Connection Group fit in? I mean, we make a big deal out of them here. How does it play into that aspect of the church being the people and, and doing ministry beyond Sunday morning? Yeah. I mean,
1: even connection groups, it's a big deal for us, but it's still a model. I mean, there was a lot of great things that happened through the Sunday school model. And then the pendulum swung to like community. And then there's great things that are happening in community. But maybe it's not a one size fits all where you got to figure out how do we better equip our people in different areas. So So wait, we're
0: starting a bus ministry. Is that what I heard? (laughs) How did you hear bus ministry? Anyway, keep going. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Uh, So that's how rumors are started. (laughs) So it it just meant to serve its purpose in what you're trying to accomplish. So
2: community, ask ask your question again, because I'm still (laughs) popping bus (laughs) messages. But I mean, how does the connection group play in? How does it fuel to keep its simple model when it's reaching out, being the church out in the community? Yeah, whether
1: it's connection groups, whether it was a Sunday school model back in the day or whatever it may be, relationships. Uh, we think discipleship and what we're called to do happens best in relationships. So, well, how do we... and
2: speak to that a little bit too, because you've alluded to it. But, like, what is you know the mission of the church? What is the role of the church? Yeah, our
1: prime, our unique mission for a local church, which makes us different than a charity or a nonprofit that's just trying to better our community. The uniqueness of the church is called is to make disciples, to prioritize somebody's spiritual condition, the relationship with Jesus Christ and obeying his teachings. So we see Jesus model discipleship in his disciples in a context of community. And We're trying to replicate that and put people in community where relationships can happen and you can know each other and challenge each other and spur one another on and practice all the one another commandments in the New Testament.
0: One of the things that we've wrestled with as staffers is keeping our calendar simple enough to create space for people to do things like that. So, I mean, this is, this is a little bit of just inside scoop into how we think about keeping things simple as a church. But when the directors look forward to the year and the events we put on the calendar, we think specifically through the lens of how many things are we asking people to go to every single month, right?
1: Yeah. So not only are church people upset with us, a lot of directors are upset with me too. <laughs> because come calendar time, like we'll look at the calendar and just be like, nope, we're not going to do that. And we could, the weekend's open, um, but part of the reason we say no to some things is we don't want to be a church that has people constantly busy with church activities where you're, if you're a committed member of Veritas, you feel like every weekend I've been at the church this week and you don't have time to coach your little league, your son's little league team. You don't have time to volunteer at the school because that's where we want our people at, out in our community. So if we're consuming their time
2: at church, that actually works against our mission of equipping them and sending them out. I think that plays into the answering the question because somebody might ask, well, where's my son or daughter supposed to see me serving? Where are they supposed to see me playing it out? They can see you serving and on mission for Christ as the coach of your little league so- softball team or baseball team. That's living it out in the community, being the church out there. But the, when it says,
1: where's my son or daughter going to see me serve? Even that's a perspective thing. So we do Sundays. We want to do them well. I hope they see you serve on a Sunday. Um, get involved in some way there, but it's serving is following Jesus more than just a church. So they should see you be a servant even at home to Absolutely. them how they how they live out their life. That's the servanthood we want them to see. So kind of a decentralizing from a program event driven expression of Christianity to all
0: of life is all for Jesus. So one one kind of general habit or life maxim is. When you say no to something, you're creating freedom to say yes to other things. But when you say yes to something, you're saying no to a lot of things, Mm -hmm. right? The more things that we, even as church leaders are putting on our people's plate that we're saying, hey, you should say yes to this and yes to this, yes to this. We're trying to be sensitive to the fact that if they say yes to these things, they're saying no to being a missionary in their neighborhood. They're yeah. saying no to hanging out with their neighbors who don't know Jesus, that yeah. kind of thing.
1: So we're saying no to a lot of things so that our people can say yes to having their neighbor over for dinner. Yes to coaching a little league team. Yes to getting involved in different areas in our community.
0: And I, like, I'm like i not trying to toot our horn, but there's something. But we say no often. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> there, there was a phrase early
1: on. That's, that said, you name it, we don't do it. <laughs> now, we grow in some complexity as we've gotten in size and stuff, but that, the spirit of it is
0: still really good. like We want to guard our simplicity yeah. passionately. So I, I saw a news article where a local church donated a certain number of pounds of food to a food bank. And that was celebrated by the, the news organization in our city, whatever. I think that's great. I'm glad they did it. But it made me realize we never measured the amount of food we did for 25 35 every month because it wasn't really about we as Veritas, the name Veritas, doing it. Again, that that's not to throw shade on the other church, um, but that that's to say our motivation wasn't about the name of Veritas going out. It, it was inviting our people into living this stuff out and just a, a regular rhythm of that. So we donated hundreds of pounds of food, maybe thousands of pounds of food, over the course of the last number of months before COVID, but we didn't measure it because... We were inviting people into one thing that, that was inviting them to say yes to a small thing rather than the name of Veritas doing a big thing.
1: Yeah. Being simple, simply structured as a church, it's hard to um, promote yourself because it's you don't have those like, look what we did, look what this program and that's not a shot at churches that do that. It's just a model where we're trying to empower our people to live their lives on mission. Which means I think we have to tell more stories of what our people are doing. And our people do amazing stuff. They're living their lives on mission. Uh, hopefully, when, if people would say like, well, what's Veritas doing? We'd be able to say, well, so-and-so is doing this and so-and-so is doing this and so-and-so doing And that's Veritas. Those are our people. Those are people we discipled, we equipped, and we've sent out and empowered them to live that way.
2: I think after the pandemic passes, when we get the opportunity to come back into our building, as you walk towards the main restrooms on the main level, you can see stories posted on the wall across from the restrooms there in the main hallway. So take some time and check out those stories. I mean, they're some of the church being the church to the community.
0: Well, Veritas, I hope this has been thought provoking for you to understand a little bit of the, the lens we're coming through as we think about doing a few things and doing well. And in this, we might say no to some particular programs or events because we're inviting you to say yes to how God is involving you in your neighbor's lives, involving you at work, involving you in things that might never get the the name of Veritas splashed over it, but hopefully, hopefully gets the name of Jesus splashed all over your life. So we, we love you. We hope this has equipped you even to think more with us about how we as a church are involved in our city for the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us.